Hello. Thank you guys so much for clicking on this video today. It's been two weeks since we've done the Cardano Aura podcast, and today I'm very excited to have Pi on from Sunday Swap once again. How are you doing today, Pi? I'm doing great. I'm doing really great. You guys have had a lot of exciting announcements since we last had you on. Yeah. Um, you know, one of those announcements was the partnership with Card Starter. Another one was a partnership with Liquid. And, you know, when we first had you on, it was a weird time for Cardano. You know, it's, you guys are really the first project, you know, that came out, at least in my eyes, with a unique funding model that what a lot of people were interested in. And that model was the ISO model. And the last time that we had talked, you know, you guys were still planning on actually doing the ISO model. So what I want this podcast to be today uh, is really an update on where we left off, you know. Cardano moves very fast and crypto moves very fast. So I'm sure you guys' project has, you know, many updates, whether it be the technical side. Uh, and also recently, you guys went on Dan's, pod, Dan's podcast with Crypto Capital Venture. And you guys actually did a live swap on Cardano using the Plutus testnet. And, and that was incredible. Can you guys, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So um, first off, thanks for having me back on. Uh, you're my first repeat, so I'm really excited about that. <laughs> um, so yeah, we. Um, what what would you like me to talk about first? The the ISO or the the demo that we did recently? So I just kind of want because we're actually going to do a brief demo of what the site is actually going to look like today. But I just kind of want to talk about, you know, what made that event so important, at least in my eyes, it was very important. It felt like the first true swap on Cardano. So I really want to touch on, you know, why it was the first true swap uh, and what happened, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, that demo went kind of quick. We were a little limited for time. Um, and uh, what makes it so unique in our eyes is that uh, as far as we know, uh, is the first public demo of like a significant DeFi application running on kind of real binaries, like a real instance of a uh, Cardano testnet. Um, so, you know, there, there's lots of projects building very frantically um, for Cardano, and there have been a couple of demos, and, and those are super exciting, and we're always super happy to see other projects who make progress and, and can show off what they've been building. Um, but all of the ones that we've seen have been in what's called the PAB, the Plutus application backend. And what the PAB is, um, in, in brief, is uh, a set of tools um, and a framework that IOG has put out um, for interacting with the blockchain. Um, and in particular, uh, so far, it has just been against a simulated version of the blockchain, right? Something running just on your computer and um, with different code than is what's going to be running on mainnet. Right? So is this so, the idea of off-chain code that we keep hearing from Lars? Is that what it is? Similar, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, the only code that kind of is important for the security of the protocol is the on-chain code. That's what mm -hmm. gets validated. And um, if, you know, you need to make sure that you're um, any somebody can construct and submit any transaction whatsoever, right? But um, in order to make that easier, the off-chain code is kind of a set of tools for 
helping you find what you need to build that transaction, right? So, for example, if you're interacting with a, a DEX, you need to find where the liquidity for the pool that you want to swap against lives. Um, and so the PAB provides, for example, the ability to look that up and find the UTXO that you need to include in your transaction. Um, so the PAB is both uh, the off-chain code framework and the simulated environment that, um, and, and kind of what I was saying is, it doesn't enforce all of the constraints that the real blockchain does. So for example, it doesn't enforce anything about transaction size limits. Um, so you can have these massive transactions that you submit to the simulated environment and it it works just fine. I mean, we actually had this in, in the early days of the project is we had something running on the PAB. Then we went to try to run it on the blockchain and the transaction was, you know, 110 kilobytes compared to the 16 kilobyte limit. Um, and so there was is that a lot... the current limit now, 16 kilobytes? Yes. And then what 16 is... kilobytes per transaction and I think 8 megabytes per block. Okay. What is the test net running at now, Alonzo Purple? Um, so at one point, uh, I think in Alonzo Blue, they had scaled it up to 32 kilobytes just so that developers could be unblocked. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not, I haven't checked lately whether when they spun up Alonzo Purple, they kept that limit or whether they went back to the 16 kilobyte. Okay. But the, yeah, the sorry main for cutting launch... you off there. I was just curious because last time I heard it was the 32 and it was actually from you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So mainnet launch will actually be 16 kilobytes. Um, and they're, they're talking about changing that, but um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big decision and a big uh, parameter update that has lots of implications. So um, that will probably not come anywhere in the near future. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get into that later. I actually do want to talk about, you know, Alonzo at launch and the tooling, but we're going to get into that later. Um, I wanted to talk about, you know, there's a lot of new people probably watching this podcast that are new to Cardano and maybe new to cryptocurrency. So the historical moment that we just talked about was swapping two tokens on the Cardano blockchain. And if, if you're new to cryptocurrency, it's, it's weird. You have all of these different tokens. Well, you know, think of cryptocurrencies like networks, you know, you have Facebook and you can't add a friend uh, from Facebook on Twitter. You know, they just don't connect. Crypto is the same way. You know, you have the Cardano network and you have the Ethereum network and these networks can have their own tokens. And this is a part of the utility that these blockchains offer to businesses. So what was so historical about this live stream was they actually swapped two tokens, you know, as he said, with on-chain code on the same blockchain. So, you know, for businesses that are coming into Cardano, you know, they're going to look to create a token to either incentivize users or incentivize whatever they want to build. And, you know, Sunday token is a good example of that. And what they're building is the open platform for anyone to swap any token on the Cardano blockchain. And, um, you know, I had a, I had a feeling, you know, watching that, like it just felt so historical. I know I keep saying that, but you know, a year ago, you know, we didn't have anyone building, let alone, you know, showing real utility on a test net. So that was a huge day. Um, and now that I've explained, you know, what a DEX is, you know, what is Sunday swap? You know, is it, is it a DEX? Yeah. Um, so first off, uh, anytime you get me talking about something technical, I have a tendency to, to kind of go off. So thanks for pulling me back. I'm to, the same way. I'm to the, the basics. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so at a high level, Sunday swap is a DEX, a decentralized exchange. Um, I got a lot of flack for using this analogy in, in my demo, but, um, you know, it's, 
serves the, a similar role as uh, something like the New York Stock Exchange. Obviously, it's crypto first and it's decentralized, um, but the, the fundamental service that it provides is the ability for somebody with one asset to get a different asset. Um, and kind of to put it in perspective about how important this is for a crypto ecosystem, um, imagine a business that wants to start accepting uh, kind of various cryptocurrencies for payment, right? Even if they're not building their own token, um, you know, uh, somebody is selling t-shirts and they want to accept payment in ADA or in uh, LQ or in Sunday, right? Um, it's very risky for them to do so because the prices are very volatile, right? And so what a DEX allows them to do is accept those tokens, but then swap them into something that's more stable right away, right? And so that they can say, okay, yeah, we're charging $10 for our t-shirt. Um, I'm going to accept however many Sunday tokens or however many ADA that is. Um, but then, you know, to remove the risk that the price may change dramatically out from under them, because they've got to operate, you know, a business with predictable profit lines, they can just swap it to something like a stable coin. Um, so a DEX really serves this fundamental role of um, uh, allowing uh, these different funds to kind of, you know, slosh around like they're liquid rather than kind of being fixed in place in these isolated silos. That's ironically why we call it liquidity, because, it, you know, it creates this fluid movement of, of capital to where mm. it's needed. Yeah, that's a great explanation. And, and why don't we have DEXs on Cardano? The answer is because we don't have smart contracts, right? And what DEXs offer is the ability for you to trade with somebody else across the world, you know, uh, without worrying about, you know, them stealing from you. You know, when you set a price that you're willing to pay for, you're going to set a slippage amount. You know, in that slippage amount, you actually determine when you go to do the trade. And that's the amount that you're willing to lose on the trade or, or even make on the trade. And, um, you know, at the blockchain layer, it's, it's incredible because you don't have to go through a centralized exchange to get another token. You know, using the same wallet, you use the Sunday swap application, and we're going to show you this later. You get on there, and you can just swap one token for another in the same wallet without touch, touching a centralized exchange. Uh, and that's huge. But the next thing I want to go on to is, you know, the ISO story. You know, last we heard... You know, you guys were going to do the ISO. That was going to be, you know, one of the main methods for funding for your project. Uh, but, you know, last that I read, it seems that it has shifted. Yeah. So the the um, road to ISO has been a pretty bumpy one for mm -hmm. us. Um, you know, we, as a very new project, I think we were like, you know, days or weeks old at the time. Um, we were looking for ways that we could fund the project. And um, and we had just barely missed the window to submit for um, a catalyst proposal. Um, and somebody in our community suggested, well, why don't you just run a stake pool, right? And, and have people delegate to that if they want to support the project. And so we kind of took that idea and we mold on it. And we, out of that kind of was born the, the idea of an ISO. And we got really excited about it. Obviously, there are huge potential, it's a huge potential and a really innovative way to do fundraising. Um, and and to some extent, we we jumped the shark on that, right? We um, we did have legal counsel, and um, they had said, you know, uh, it sounds fine as long as you're doing what other projects are doing, you know, go ahead, um, you know, in terms of issuing a coin. And so we, you know, drummed up a bunch of marketing. I came on your show to talk about what it was going to look like, 
And um, with that increased attention and that increased excitement, um, somebody, uh, our CTO actually, uh, you know, at the time we had just hired him as a DevOps person, and uh, he has a lot of history in the security space. Um, he kind of worked on platforms that got no action letters from the SEC and stuff. So he's he's run the whole gamut of that process from of regulation. And he he kind of tapped us on the shoulder and he's like, you might want to get a second opinion on that. I don't think that, you know, I don't think that this is safe for you to do. I think that if you do this, it's going to classify the Sunday token as a security. Um, and so, you know, it was a very frantic day where we realized that, um, a couple other kind of bombs dropped that day. Um, you know, we had Nico tweet about us, um, kind of you tweeted about us kind of providing some feedback around, you know, um, we're about to launch this, uh, this avenue that's going to collect a ton of money and we haven't provided any evidence that we are capable of delivering what we're, what we're delivering at the time. Um, and we thought that was very fair feedback. So kind of co we collected all of this and we said, um, let's let's delay the ISO, right? Let's let's announce that, you know, it, it sucks and we got a lot of flack for it. But um, at the end of the day, I didn't want to um, start accepting people's money and then regret it later, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so that, we delayed the that ISO. That seemed to me, you know, to comment on that, and this is kind of the start of, you know, me liking Sunday Swap because that seemed like, you know, the responsible decision, you know, looking at, you know, essentially piles of cash heading your way that you can finally use to build out this awesome protocol. You know, you, you stopped and said, you know, we have this community here. I th we think we have something special and we're going to just hold off on that. You know, that was kind of, to me, the first, you know, response that you guys had that says, okay, you're really taking the community in into account when it's important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's super important to us. Um, so we, we announced a delay um, and then we said, you know, we'll, we'll get back to you and we'll tell you what our plan is, um, in, I think it was early June or, or something like that. Um, and so then that, that rolled around and, um, and then, you know, we put out, we announced kind of more of our thinking about why, um, why we were concerned, right. And, and, um, and, and it really kind of centered around this notion of a security and we worked with, we kind of got a new law firm. Um, and worked with them really hard to analyze all the different dimensions of it and what exactly makes a security. And we settled on, we still wanted to run the ISO. We still wanted an opportunity for people to get involved at a, at a low risk level, right? Um, but we had to change some things about the ISO. Um, so now, um, one of the key things that we changed is that we are launching the ISO at the same time as the DEX. And that's really important because a security kind of boils down to four prongs of a test that is called the Howey test. Um, and one of those prongs is that, uh, or two of them is uh, that the thing that you get, you have an expectation of profit derived from the efforts of others. Um, and so if we launch the DEX and a truly decentralized protocol um, that you can interact with, even if even if Sunday Swap Labs disappears, um, then the whatever value the Sunday token has is no longer derived from the efforts of others. Um, and so, you know, it's it's so there. It's, it, it's an it existing derived product. from the existing product. That's what you're saying, which is now a decentralized yeah. product that anyone can access. Exactly. Okay. Um, and so, you know, because of that, um, 
we no longer we also no longer really see um, the ISO as a fundraising vehicle, right? We'll have already built the decks. It's not super fair for us to ask for a bunch of money um, uh, at you know at that time. And so um, instead, you'll be keeping your ADA rewards and your Sunday rewards. We'll be partnering with um, some stake pools in the community to avoid um, drawing large amounts away from the stake pool community. Um, and uh, we see it as a marketing vehicle to get people excited about the tokens and a um, decentralization avenue. So we want to get the tokens into a very wide and diverse set of hands because we plan to like vote on parameter changes and vote on protocol upgrades via the token. Yeah. Yeah, so this new ISO model, what percentage of the tokens... Uh, you know, will be rewarded to those delegating with those pools. Um, in the past, I remember it was a large percentage. Has that percentage come down a little bit? Um, so in the past, we hadn't set a specific percentage on it. Okay. Um, instead, we had set a specific price, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, if we raise this much money, we're going to give out these many tokens. Um, and we had picked that price and that model um, around some some kind of uh, naive estimates, right? We were predicting, okay, maybe yeah. we'll we'll hit 20 million in our pool. Um, and if you if you look at those estimates and you project it out, it's up. We're actually given about about the same amount, right? Um, obviously, under that model, uh, we were vastly under predicting the popularity of the ISO model. So we yeah. would have ended up giving out quite a bit of the token that way. Um, but it was never our intention, right? Like we didn't design the ISO to give out a certain percentage. Um, and so we, we always wanted to give out about 5%, maybe 6%. Um, in, in this model, it'll be 5%. Um, and then reserve the bulk of the rewards for people participating in the protocol um, and providing liquidity to kind of create the market that allows people to swap. Okay, awesome. So, you know, you guys were really expecting the funding from the ISO model. Did you guys shift to, you know, VC funding or a public sale model? You know, how did you guys get the funding to actually build your decks you know, given what you actually learned uh, about the security laws relative to the ISO. Yeah. Um, so we had to tighten our belts. Um, uh, all of us, uh, we were, before we were taking a very small salary. Now we're taking no salary. Um, we're paying our developers, but we're paying those out of pocket from the kind of co-founders pockets. We're paying for hosting costs out of pocket. Um, and then for some of our bigger bills, we took a small business loan um, of about been bootstrapped. Now, if you look at our tokenomics, which is available on our on our website, um, we have set aside 13% if we do need to go to either angel investors or VC investors. Mm -hmm. um, we're really reluctant to do that. And if we do, it'll be somebody that is, um, you know, bring something really profoundly unique to the, the project and, um, you know, has the Cardano vision in mind. Um, and if we don't end up selling all of that 13%, whatever we don't, kind of sell as part of a, a VC fundraise will revert to the community supply. Um, so that'll be used for staking rewards and things like that. Awesome. Well, I think that was a, a great continuation of the ISO story and I appreciate your response. Um, do you guys have, you know, and this also leads into my next question, you know, what is the timeline for releasing Sunday? Uh, that also, what is the timeline for the ISO? Because you said they're going to be launched around the same time. Yeah. So we're both, we're going to launch them both at the same time. Um, the ISO will launch, will run for five epochs. So we kind of, we didn't want the ISO competing with our protocol, right? So we had this balance between 
um, a shorter ISO, but then, you know, we don't I want hadn't people even thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, we don't want people to miss out on the ISO. So we didn't want to run it for like one or two epochs. Um, and so we kind of chose a middle ground of five epochs. It's a little over a month. Um, you know, so even if you miss like the first epoch, you should still have plenty of time to get involved. Um, in terms of the, the timeline for launching, um, and every time I talk about this, I add like the biggest of disclaimers. Um, things in software can change. And at this point, you know, we've built a large part of the core of the product. And the, the limiting factors are things that are outside of our control. Um, things like getting an audit um, that has been uh, particularly difficult to line up given the, the kind of fierce competition for good auditors. Um, so things may change. Um, I'm not making a hard commitment, and I, you know, I I beg our community to have some understanding if it if things do slip. But um, our current projections place us launching around mid October. Okay, and you know, saying that you said you mentioned things that are outside of your control. You know, from my perspective, you know, I'm trying to build a decentralized application experience, and a lot that I'm trying to build is out of my control. And one of those things. Uh, is wallets. You know, there aren't many, mm. there aren't any DAP like connector wallets yet other than Namey, and there's some limitations there. Uh, and also, you know, as we mentioned earlier, that kilobyte size uh, block or transaction limit, you know, for the blocks. Uh, so do you think that on the release of Alonzo, you know, let's say you weren't limited to by the audit, uh, would you actually be able to build Sunday Swap if you had everything done, you know, and actually have it run? on the release of Alonzo, or is that tooling not there yet because of the limitation, because of the transaction size? Yeah. So um, in principle, I think we could launch uh, at the release. Um, the, the big problem and the reason we wouldn't, even if the, um, the audit wasn't a factor, um, is exactly because of that tooling, right? We want to make sure that we have um, a diverse set of wallets to integrate with, um, we want to make sure that we spend some time optimizing our transaction sizes because the um, the 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 smaller we can get our scripts and the smaller we can get our transaction sizes, the more um, throughput we can fit uh, into our protocol. Right. So um, we would we would optimize there. Um, and at the end of the day, we want to provide. We don't want to. The the first label isn't worth. A terrible UX to us. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, there there are things outside of our control. Um, I think mm -hmm. uh, a lot of protocols um, are working very hard. I don't want to badmouth anybody. Um, and uh, they, I, I anticipate a lot of smart contract protocols um, are going to experience similar kind of problems. The ones that we ran into and the ones that we had to solve to run that live demo. Um, and I don't think you're going to see any substantial, um, you know, daps on day one of Alonzo. Um, yeah. That being said, I, I you can, know, the I, can I can speak to that too, you know, relative to everyone that I've talked to, you know, them saying Sunday swap in October uh, isn't a large delay. You know, there are a lot of moving pieces and a lot of these moving pieces all have to align around the same time for our projects to release. And it's not just them. Yeah, you might see like, as of the hard fork, smart contracts are possible, right? You can submit the transactions to the, the blockchain. So you might see some very simple apps. Like I could imagine somebody building some kind of like vesting protocol, right? Where, oh yeah, we, we lock up funds for 
X weeks, and then they get released. Um, but like the more um, significant uh, uh, apps are going to take some time for mm -hmm. the PAB to catch up, for wallets to catch up, to solve kind of some of the protocol issues that aren't being checked and enforced by the um, by the PAB today, things like that. Okay. Well, thank you for that insight. Uh, I and my audience really appreciate it because without being on the inside, you know, everyone's kind of wondering, you know, what functionality will be available on the 12th, you know, and yeah. we have no idea really other than kind of peering on the inside a little bit. So I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Why? And then one last note on that. Um, no, no worries. To, to some extent, um, I think IOG and, and the Cardano community uh, should be looking at that as a feature, not a bug. Um, in the sense that, you know, the, the hard fork is incredibly sensitive. And if there were, um, you know, they, they've been doing an incredible job of stress testing it and, and doing um, kind of security analysis and all that up, up to the fork. But um, God forbid there was some kind of scalability problem or some kind of bug. Um, you know, if there was a way for a hundred billion dollars to flood through the doors on day one, and then a bug was discovered that could be, you know, disastrous, catastrophic for the Cardano community. So the fact that there will be a ramp up time, uh, and you'll get to see more and more traffic over time on the on the network, um, will be really healthy for our confidence in Cardano itself. Yeah, I agree with that completely. You know, I often get the question, when Alonzo, when Alonzo, when Gogan? And uh, my response has always been, uh, hopefully when it's ready. You know, I don't care if it releases this month or next month or December. Uh, you know, Cardano has always been, you know, slow and meticulous. So why in the last few months of the, the biggest release do we have to have it now? You know, I think that this route uh, is a good way to do it because it also releases, you know, the base to the public, you know, so people can build tooling. So it's not just IOG limited to being the, essentially the fathers of the protocol. And here's the tooling that we've created. Now when the base is out, there's going to be multiple people working on tooling. And I think that's going to provide a, a huge advantage to uh, just tools for developers in general. So one of the main questions that I got on Twitter was, you know, when is the audit going to happen? And, you know, what type of audit uh, is Sunday Swap going to be? And, and also, I'm curious on, on why audits are important. Yeah. So for those who don't know, an audit is essentially um, a, a health inspector, right? Um, they uh, come in with a fresh pair of eyes and an incredible amount of experience in the security and blockchain domain, whatever company you choose, and um, kind of double check a lot of the assumptions you might be making, right? And look for uh, common and uncommon attacks against a protocol. Um, so they're very pricey items, and there are very few companies right now who can do um, a really reputable audit for Cardano. So a big part of our effort on the business side has been lining up uh, a, an auditor that we're really proud of. And we're not re ready to announce that partnership right now, but, um, but you should keep an eye out for that. Um, and so the reason that Sunday Swap is getting an audit and the reason it's so important to us is because, you know, if you look at other DeFi protocols off of Cardano as to kind of predict how might Sunday Swap go, you know, collectively Uniswap V2 and V3 hold, I think last I checked, it was six or $7 billion worth of funds. And so they're incredibly lucrative targets for 
um, for hackers and for people looking to exploit and exfiltrate funds. Um, so it's really important to us to uh, do everything in our power to drive up confidence in that protocol, um, both, you know, honestly, so that I can sleep at night, but also for our users, right? So people feel confident leaving their funds in our smart contracts. Um, and so we are um, not sparing a penny, basically, uh, on our audit. Um, it's going to be a very uh, hefty chunk of change, but it's well worth it in our mind. Um, and what they're going to do is, uh, first, they're going to formally uh, kind of write down in mathematics what are all the moving pieces of the Sunday Swap protocol, right? Um, on the surface, it seems very simple. You're swapping one asset for another. But under the hood, there's actually an incredible amount of uh, nuance and detail in exactly how we execute that. So they're going to be writing down um, that formal protocol, ignoring the code and the Plutus side, um, and building formal proofs in a proof assistant um, about um, what the protocol is. And they'll be delivering a report on that. Um, once we have that, and once you know they've kind of provided recommendations on things we should change about the protocol to make it more secure, we'll then uh, kind of, you know, we're implementing it in parallel, but we'll maybe migrate those recommendations into our code base. And, um, and then they'll do a second round where they do a code review. And they'll look at all of our code, our Haskell code, and say, does this actually faithfully implement that specification? Um, and so, you know, this is... Uh, going to take a lot of time, and it's one of our, uh, if not the biggest bottleneck in us launching, um, but it's super important to us. And I've always said from day one that uh, if I don't feel 100% confident in the protocol, uh, you know, we're not going to launch. And and the, you know, first to launch label is much less important to us than being the, um, you know, uh, than not being first to get hacked. Um, yeah, it's a pretty bad label, first to be hacked. <laughs> Because you know yeah, uh, I mean, someone will achieve that label on the Cardano ecosystem. Somebody will, right? Like uh, Plutus is not a silver bullet, right? It it prevents a lot of mistakes that you can make, um, but it's also such a new paradigm that it mm. creates a lot of opportunities for um, you to carry assumptions over from a previous blockchain and assume that something is going to work in one way and then end up, you know, not just getting the funds hacked, but there's also the chance that protocols could deadlock and just like, basically burn everybody's funds and not be able to release them back to people. Um, so it's, you know, incredibly sensitive for us to get this right. Well, thank you for that. I think that's going to uh, answer a lot of people's questions uh, about the audit and also, you know, the importance of it. Cause I didn't understand the, the phase approach. And um, do you feel that Plutus, you know, it's not a silver bullet, but the actual auditing method, you know, can yield better results because it's a formally verified language? Yeah, I think so. I think that having uh, more concrete semantics around how it operates, right, uh, a formal specification for um, for this that you can feed into something like uh, um, Agda or, or Lean, um, which are, are, are kind of theorem provers that, that like heavyweight mathematicians use, um, gives a lot of kind of um, uh, potential growth for these kind of uh, static analysis tools and proofs that can be made about protocols. Whereas with, um, with something on Solidity, you know, there's some amount of formal verification you can do, but it, it also boils down to just 
thinking really hard, um, which, you know, can still be very fallible. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Of course. But what is really nice about this is, you know, as a smart contract creator, you know, you can essentially determine the cost of the smart contract. That's the big, big utility there, you know. Absolutely. And the, uh, the cost and the outcome, both are very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, I, I experienced the same thing as an NFT creator. You know, I knew the maximum cost uh, that it would take to distribute all of these NFTs relative to the amount of NFTs they were purchasing at one time. And that's a huge, huge advantage because I've seen NFT drops on Ethereum where the transaction fees for the user get up to $1,800, you know, because so many people are trying to purchase it at one time. But you know, By say, the way, go ahead. congrats on your, uh, on your NFT launch. I got a gold basho myself. So. You got a gold basho? <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's honestly one of my favorites. I love the gold basho. <laughs> Gold so it was very cool to see the, see you doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was, um, you know, the reaction to it was much better than I expected. And we've been working on it a while. And uh, it was an amazing feeling to see, you know, pool.pm, seeing them all be minted uh, mm-hmm. and the whole community, you know, just excited. You know, everyone was thrilled to open them. And, you know, that's what we wanted. You know, we chose a high supply uh, with a lower price than most others. So more people could enjoy it. You know, more people could open them up. And I think that's exactly what happened. But let's yeah. take a look at the actual Sunday Swap platform and see what the sure. UI looks like. Yeah, let me go ahead and share my screen. Um, I have two things to show off today, actually. Cool. And congratulations to you guys on this launch. You know, it's uh, you know, we mentioned it earlier, but it was incredible to see the uh, Swap live. Cool. So this is the the current version. Um, and this is dark mode. This isn't live. Some of these pieces aren't live data, but this is kind of how we're thinking of it. Is um, you know, there'll be a homepage that provides. Uh, kind of a summary of of how the the market is doing, um, and uh, you know we'll have kind of some of these features up here. You'll be able to connect your wallet, um, depending on which ones we end up integrating with. Um, there will be a light mode and a dark mode, um, and um, connection to one of the big things that we're going to be pushing for um, post launch is a huge education push, right? Um, if you think about it, less than 3% of all Ethereum wallets have interacted with DeFi. And one of the constant pieces of feedback that people have when they when they go to get involved in Uniswap or PancakeSwap and yield farming and stuff like that is, is confusion and not really understanding how to do it and, and how it works and what the risks are. Um, and so we're going to be pushing very hard um, for uh, really high quality educational material that explains these things. Um, both about Sunday Swap, but about wider DeFi in general. Maybe that's something I can help you guys with. Absolutely. I would love to partner with you on that. Um, then if you have a um, either liquidity provided to the platform or you've executed swaps before, we'll have a page that allows you to, to view kind of what how that portfolio is doing. Um, this will, you know, once you've integrated with the wallet, it'll, it'll query to see, okay, yeah, you've earned this many fees and stuff like that. Um, again, this this view is just provisional. Um, you know, it might change before launch. Um, there will be we've reset the test net since uh, since I did that demo with Dan, um, and we actually right now um, twenty four hours before the demo with Dan, uh, all developers kind of put pencils down so we wouldn't break the environment. Um, and so after that, they they went back frantically to work, and so I can't actually demo a swap right now. 
And I didn't, um, I didn't but, give him the heads up either. This morning <laughs> I was like, hey, I want to see that swap. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Happy to, happy to show it off to you. Um, but you'll be able to see both, you know, the existing pools and then potentially any positions that you're providing liquidity to. Um, you'll be able so to let's talk about you know, this for a liqu- second. Liquidity. Sure. What does it mean yeah. to provide liquidity to a DEX? And what does that allow the DEX to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let me, I'm actually going to bust open uh, a whiteboard and, and draw it out for you. Awesome. Okay. So in a traditional market, um, there are a number of limit orders on both sides, right? So you might um, be buying and selling uh, some stock. And, um, you know, if you open up something like Coinbase, you'll see this screen where um, there's kind of these two sand piles um, of open sell orders and open buy orders. And all of these limit orders, these assets, um, are there for the taking for anybody who wants to execute a trade against them, right? And so when I say, uh, oh, I want to buy 10 shares of this stock, it's going to start here in the middle and execute these sell orders until it has fulfilled this, right? Until it has fulfilled your order. And that's how the price moves up and down. Um, the, the money sitting here in these uh, limit orders waiting to be executed um, is called the, um, the liquidity because it is allowing funds to move back and forth, kind of like I was describing before. Yeah. So in something like a constant product pool, which is what our initial offering will be, um, you instead, instead of having limit orders, you have these two funds sitting there in some ratio, right? So we have, you know, maybe a bunch of Ada and a bunch of Bloom. And some, somebody can come along and carve off um, a piece of this Bloom. So they, they take this Bloom and replace it with ADA, right? And that is effectively them buying Bloom for ADA. Hmm, so that's what um, actually happens when some user with ADA comes to the DEX and purchases the Bloom tokens. Yeah, yeah, they pie. deposit and withdraw. Okay. And and the, the, the term constant product refers to the math that underpins how much Bloom are you allowed to withdraw if based on how much ADA you deposited. Okay. So, so where do these funds come from in the first place? Well, they come from what we call liquidity providers, right? So somebody comes along and they say, oh, well, I have 100 ADA and, um, you know, 50 Bloom. You know, I, this is just sitting in my wallet. I'm not doing with anything with it. Um, and so they can deposit it into both of them into this pool. And they get back a percentage ownership of that pool. Now, every time somebody executes a swap, we charge a transaction fee, and that transaction fee also goes into this pool. So it's getting bigger and bigger over time. And because I own and a percentage of it... that goes back to those people that, you know... Exactly. Okay. Yeah, because I own a percentage of this pool, my assets are growing over time. Um, and so that's what it means to be a liquidity provider. Um, now, there are risks associated with this, something called impermanent loss, and maybe I'll talk about those um, on another stream. I don't want to get too off track. Uh, but but yeah, so um, this is basically a mechanism for us. You know, I, I say this a lot, but we're decentralizing access to uh, financial services where, um, you know, different people can um, uh, access these swaps when they usually wouldn't be able to, right? You, you, you don't have to provide KYC. Um, but uh, conversely, um, 
they're we're decentralizing access to the profits as well, right? So by cutting out the middlemen, right? You know, if you think about exchanging a, a stock on on Robinhood, they are selling your order to um, Citadel Financial, which are selling. You know, it, there's a chain of middlemen up to the New York Stock Exchange where the, you know, or whatever exchange the trade actually happens at. And so by cutting those out, we can reduce those margins and still provide good returns for the people who are actually making the protocol possible. Mm -hmm. And that's a big um, thing that we believe in strongly is, is sharing those profits. Another plus I see too is the, the data that's available. You know, when you buy mm. shares on Robinhood, they're selling that data to whoever, you know, has the highest bag where this data, it, it is still public, but it's free and open to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a nice feature. Cool. And then, you know, obviously you'll be able to execute a swap. Um, and then the last feature that um, we'll be building, and this is, again, just dummy data, um, is this notion of liquidity farming um, or yield farming. Um, and the, the basic idea here is that um, we want to incentivize people to leave their liquidity in the decks. Um, if people, uh, you know, are constantly depositing and withdrawing, then the market has really unpredictable volatility, right? One minute, you could get really efficient trades, and the next minute, you could get, you know, huge slippage on your trades, where a small trade moves the mark the price by, like, huge swings. And that's because of the lack of liquidity, right? Right. Um, and, and the exact details for why that happens uh, are mathy, and I'm not necessarily going to get into them here, um, but... Uh, we want to incentivize people to deposit and keep their liquidity there for, for long periods of time. Um, and so uh, we're going to be uh, building features that incentivize um, uh, liquidity that has been in the pool for longer periods of time. So you'll earn kind of additional rewards on top of that. Um, and exactly how that works, we haven't um, uh, we haven't finalized or announced, so I'm, I'm not going to go too in-depth, but I just did, did want to confirm that we are... That, that is something that we have planned. Okay. Cool. The second thing that I want to show you is something that in the next couple of days, we're going to be releasing to the Cardano community. Um, so one of the things that we have found um, is that uh, having this private testnet that we did the demo on um, has been incredibly helpful. So one of the things that we've been working on is um, uh, we uh, have built this ability to run our own private test nets. I mean, this is something I, I didn't get a chance to show off uh, yesterday in the demo, um, but we have up in AWS our own private Alonzo test net. Um, so uh, Cardano CLI query, um, uh, so I can run this. And these are kind of all of the, you know, UTXOs that we were talking about running on our test net. Um, and so we're going to be open sourcing the, the scripts to spin that up. Um, we've already shared it with our partners and got kind of collected feedback and, and improved the, the user experience. And so now we'll be open sourcing that. So anybody out there who is planning on building their own project can spin up their own testnet and kind of, uh, you know, wipe it if you break things and, and mint yourself your own tokens and have an infinite faucet and all that kind of stuff. Um, in addition, we found ourselves, you know, on the command line a lot and like, you know, just to do simple things like give ourselves some ADA or mint a new token. Um, and so we've built this, um, we're calling it the Cardano Toolkit, um, that basically just has very simple capabilities to uh, interact with um, uh, like a, a set of private keys that are stored on the server. 
Um, so we can pick these out and, uh, you know, you can go and, you know, give yourself some ADA. So I can say, I'll give myself a, another 100 ADA. Um, oh, that gives it. So these are actually Lovelace. So I can say, okay, give, deposit, you know, 10 ADA, and that should go up by 10. Um, and I can mint a new token. So PyCoin, like this, mint the asset. That should show up in the wallet. Um, and then, you know, you can go and look at those UTXOs and like as a developer, being able to exactly reference these. Um, so, you know, we hope that these tools are helpful for, you know, we wanted to give back to the Cardano community basically. And we, we hope these tools are helpful for, um, uh, for people building on Cardano. It seems it would be, you know, just to remove having to type into the CLI all the time. You yeah. mentioned that you're also going to release uh, documentation alongside that as well, right? Yeah, so, you know, we're going to release it in the next couple of days. Um, the reason that we ha we're not releasing it now is because we're kind of writing up some documentation on how to use it, how to get it set up, and, and things like that. Cool. Well, send that over to me, and I'll include it in the link down below. So if you guys want to take a look at this documentation and maybe use it for yourself, feel free. It'll be Absolutely. down below. Um, one of the biggest questions that I got is, how do I get Sunday? Um, yeah, so right now there is no way. Um, the Sunday token doesn't even exist. Um, at launch, there will be three ways that we've announced with kind of different levels of risk. Um, the first way and the, the lowest risk way will be the ISO. And we kind of talked about that um, a lot earlier. Um, the second way... Uh, will be to provide liquidity to the pool. Um, and what that does is it allows other people to execute swaps, um, and you'll be earning uh, both a transaction fee and then through that yield farming mechanic that I talked about, um, you know, additional rewards. Uh, and some of that includes Sunday. Um, and then the third way is to just buy it on the DEX, right? We're building a decentralized exchange to allow you to buy tokens. And, um, and presumably one of the first tokens that is on our DEX is going to be our token. Um, and so, uh, you'll be able to buy it there. Um, yeah. and, and that, cards. you know, <laughs> cards will be one of the first two <laughs> potentially. Yeah. Um, it depends on when they, you know, if they have the bridge ready by then, um, mm. we're optimistic, but, but yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, one of the last questions I have for you is what utility will the Sunday token have? You know, you're going to be earning it from providing liquidity and the S the ISO model. You know, how does, let's say I have this token in my wallet, how does me interacting with the DEX, uh, is it improved from the token? Yeah, so um, we have a number of uh, uses for the token. Um, not all of them uh, we've been, uh, like are ready to be announced, mm -hmm. um, but the, the whole point of the Sunday token is to be a utility token and to have uh, uses, right? The most kind of publicly visible one of those is um, governance, right? So it's going to be it's going to allow you to vote on parameter changes, right? So perhaps um, the DAO, the decentralized autonomous organization that governs the um, uh, the DEX, will in the future decide to increase or decrease fees. Um, perhaps there will be a company that comes along that builds a new version of the smart contracts. And the DAO votes to upgrade to those new versions, right? Hmm. Um, obviously, post-launch, that's the role that Sunday Swap hopes to play. Is we we hope to build improvements and new versions, and then convince the DAO that they're worthwhile and uh, and get them adopted. But but um, so you'll get a direct say in in how the Dex is operated. Awesome. Um, we 
uh, are also looking at the the token as our profit sharing mechanism. Um, and I can't go into super details there, but like holding the token will be how you um, how you one of the ways in which you kind of share in the profits generated by the decks. Um, and then um, uh, another way that we're thinking about it is um, allowing Sunday to be used to pay for fees. Um, okay. Yeah, you got to be real careful when you talk about yeah. the uh, Mr. <laughs> Howie will come after you, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but but yeah, our our intention is for the token to be a utility token and to derive its value from what it can be used for. Okay, awesome. I appreciate that. Um, you know, as we head towards this time of DAP connectors, do you think Uroi and Daedalus will be supported? Or do you think there's going to be this large migration of users to these DAP wallets to participate in these protocols? Yeah, so um, we have structured our code in a way that um, as long as a wallet provides a few very basic capabilities, um, the ability to uh, query the UTXOs in a user's wallet, the ability to sign a transaction, uh, the ability to submit a transaction to the blockchain, um, as long as they provide those core set of capabilities, we can integrate with them. And so we expect that there will be a lot of wallets that we integrate with. Um, in terms of which ones that will be, we're not sure because everybody's kind of being a little bit closed-lipped on what their timelines are for those integrations. Um, speaking just for myself, right, not for Sunday Swap and not in any official capacity, my bet would be on uh, Nami Wallet being one of the front runners um, and Uroi Wallet being one of the front runners, just because both of them have been working on a Cardano improvement proposal um, and contributing to that defining what a, a standard for that integration should look like, like what capabilities should be available, what uh, the signatures of those functions should be, things like that. Um, so the fact that they've both been participating on that CIP um, leads me to believe that they um, uh, are working very hard on that. Um, I'm sure other wallets will have that. I'm sure Daedalus will have that. Um, I'm uh, it has not been super clear what form that would take with Daedalus, because obviously it's not a browser yeah, it's a uh, extension. So, um, but, you know, w when and where those come up, we plan to integrate. Um, and uh, and those would be my my bets for um, for which ones would have it kind of closest to launch. Awesome. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. I wanted to say thank you for taking the time out of your day to educate us on all this. You know, not all of us have uh, the ability to spend so much time diving into Plutus uh, and building a, you know, a project for the Cardano ecosystem. So the insights that you derive from that, uh, I really do appreciate it. I'd love to have you guys on again, you know, maybe right before the launch to talk about, you know, some of the risk that we mentioned earlier, and also to just show people how they can participate, you know, maybe on a little bit of a test net, you know, this is the, you know, final test net before the product releases in a week, but thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Uh, always love coming on your show. It was nice to have um, the opportunity kind of in more of a casual setting to show off our, our product. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And like I said, I did learn a lot, but if you guys enjoyed the podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you click that like button uh, and then commented Sunday swap down below to show that you made it till the end. Um, and yeah, I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend and um, goodbye.